that's what the sign out in front of my office says. MLL for hire. It's easy to rent yourself out and you make a few bucks, but sooner or later you get burned. It doesn't make any difference whether you're a man or a mouse. Because down on the waterfront in Detroit, they build the traps both ways. You asked interrogative questions. Get your finger out of my face. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to count. Get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Alric? Hey, my friends. It's your old pal, ML Elric, investigative reporter at Fox 2 News, and now the host of The Soul of Detroit. I'm joined by my co-pilot, God, and a guy who thinks he's God (laughs) because he went to the University of Michigan. What? Mr. Mark Fellhauer. Why a cheap shot right off the bat? Well, I'm I'm feeling kind of sassy That's after good. That, that big basketball game uh, yeah. in, in Ann Arbor. Well, you should. No, I was glad. I, last year we had two guys who were lottery picks for the NBA, and we couldn't do jack. Mm-hmm. This year we got two guys sitting on a bench and a bunch of scrubs, except for Cassius, and we... It really was the Cassius show. Yeah, he was pretty no, he good. stepped up. Yeah, he's And that team good. is better without Nick. He's one As of those guys who you're not sure what you're going to get when he gets off his seat, and sometimes he has to take a seat. So, yeah, to me, I'd rather have – this is a very Izzo-like team because they're workmanlike. They're, they're the guys who have had to listen to him to succeed, and I think last year they saw, okay, we'll let the hot shots do it. Where did he get us? Bang. Yeah. Home we'll after there's still a lot. There's still a lot of games left. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. We have a lot, of, a lot to talk about on this uh, – Big show here, including um, something that you may have heard people talk about for many, many, many months. And uh, our long, miserable wait is over. The uh, The sun is now powering my home. You, I can't, yeah. You installed solar panels. Yes. Now, I know Drew has talked a lot about uh, about me getting off the grid because I know he's dying to get off the grid here at uh, the Red Shovel Network headquarters because Edison... Does not always deliver the juice like they say they're supposed to. Is that why you did it? Uh, partly because it's been partly to help out one of my goalies who became a salesman for this oh, solar really? company. So there's a little altruism there. But I also like to be as self-reliant as possible. I want to be off the grid. I hate that Edison is unreliable. Now, I thought putting solar in would make me more independent, but it turns out when your power when the power goes down for everybody – you have to shut the solar power down because it'll backfeed into the system and it'll zap the linemen as they're trying to set up oh my God. power for everybody else. Who's going to remember to do that? Well, it does it automatically, oh, okay. which Thank is good God. because, yeah, I'd, I'd remember right when I smell bacon. <laughs> I don't eat bacon, so it's got to be, you know, the melting orange helmet and all that other stuff. Didn't you... Uh, Did you felt the electricity in the air? Didn't you lose power once to half your house? Wasn't that you? Yes. How, we, how do you lose power to half a house? We, we've had brownouts where there's just enough power, I think, going through the system to provide just enough juice for some things. And I don't know how the electricity knows to keep the fridge going but not the computer or makes to keep no the, sense. the boiler fired up but not the, you know, the lights. I mean, it, it's, it's a mystery to me. So I'm trying. How old is your house? 90 years old 90. this year. And you've done a ton of updates to it. Yes. We, you, might, you might be the only house in Detroit that has solar panels. Are there a lot in the city? I think there are some, but we're probably the oldest because, really? you know, doing it for a place like this, 
it's hard because in these old neighborhoods, there's a lot of tall trees. Um, there's uh, not a, you know, a lot of flat roofs. Yeah. So on ours, we have a dozen panels on the flat part of our roof, and it's a very steep roof. And then we have three, and soon we'll have four panels on a side of the roof that's at an angle and has to face to the south. But uh, You're but a regular ML Begley Jr. Well, you know, jeez, well, boy, I, I was going to say thanks for the kick in the schwantz. But that's, you know what, Ed, though, despite his many um, challenges, like looking like ass, he, he does okay, right? I suppose he's a little obsessed with saving the world, which, you know, better him than nobody. I well, suppose. And, yeah, I mean... I don't and, know. I don't have time to save anything. Well, one good reason to save the world is so that everybody can enjoy the uh, the fantastic uh, life work of Ed Bagley Jr. Some <laughs> very powerful films. <laughs> Speaking of which, the in, the one intro, because you listen to old-time radio, which seems perfect, by the way, that you like old-time radio shows, but one of them was starring Ed Bagley, and I'm like, that must be Ed Bagley Sr., which... Duh. I don't know why I had that thought. Like I told you he went I, to Michigan. This guy's he does not <laughs> like miss the, a trick. The power of deduction within my head. But I just I had no idea. Like, why would I know anything about Ed, the Begley family? Well, if you saw these two guys, it was it's not obvious. Ed Begley kind of looks like uh, a melted candle, sort of that blobby looking yeah, old yeah. guy. And Ed Begley Jr. What? You're, the future is now. I'm starting the, to melt yeah, already. No, it's you. You're you're, a, you're a, as everybody who can watch us knows you're a handsome slice of manhood. So, so Begley Senior must have gotten some hot action from a woman because he was an actor, and that they canceled each other out and made Ed Begley Jr. Oh, boy, well, she. <laughs> I don't know. If if you're doing that math, she must have been about eight feet tall because Ed Begley. Oh, he's tiny guy. Uh, no, he's sort of a, a shorter, stocky guy, but but Ed Begley Jr. is tall. I mean, yeah. he's a he's sort of a slee stack looking dude. <laughs> I mean, he's a kind of wispy, willowy. Well, when I think of solar, and I love the way he got his arm ripped off in in Cat People. Did you ever see Cat no. People? With Natasha Kinski, oh, great David Bowie uh, uh, theme so, song. Yeah, but yeah. we're we'll save that for a future new wave element. But. Uh, he is a zookeeper who's messing with the panther, who really is Natasha Kinski, and she rips his arm off, nice. and he just kind of flops around on the ground and slowly dies. Also a great movie for Annette O'Toole fans, who I think is uh, vastly What's underrated. the name of it? Cat People. Cat People. Do you remember the TV show? Nobody knows this show. Do you remember a TV show called Manimal that was on for like three weeks? Yes, with Simon, what's his, Simon McCorkendale. Oh of course, you're the one person that knows it. I <laughs> well, it's because I was the one guy who kid. couldn't get a date on Friday night, so I watched Manimal. <laughs> I think I, I don't know how old I was, but I used to think, that is so cool, the guy turns into a panther. And then the show just disappeared. Yeah, I, I think it lasted a season or two, but he'll pop up every once in a while on something, and it'll always be like, uh, TV star Simon McCorkendale. I'm like, TV star? <laughs> yeah, star I mean, Manimal, man. I guess when there's a billion stars in the universe, you know, everybody can be a star. And I think you can get one named after you for a reasonable rate. On the on the Hall of uh, Walk of Fame? No, like, on uh, the... Uh, you oh, know, up in the sky? Yeah, where you name Just, a star after somebody? I might have done that for someone once. You know, <laughs> I, you know if... I it, my parents have if a it, star. If it closes the deal, you could do that. Because what are you going to point and say... There's your star, Mom. Yeah, no and one's going to know. Does it flash? It's like Jones yeah. star, I just Jones point to the star. brightest one. Yeah. Because, I, you know, then it looks like I spent more money on it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like the like the carrot thing on the uh, wedding rings? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's man. like cubic zirconiums. So it looks like you spent more. Hey, man. It, it, full it, of cheap ways to yeah. uh, look like you're spending money. Well, I... Uh, 
when I got married, I uh, am not what I would call the most uh, extravagant man, except for you, the, no way, except for the solar system in my house. But my wife uh, kindly accepted my grandmother's wedding ring, so I didn't spend really. Nothing. I know a lot of people that have done that. And, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's very romantic. It's a good move. <laughs> and that's how I sold it. But I'm like. Did you cry and act like it meant more to you? I did cry when I got married, but it wasn't <laughs> For that because reason. of the ring. It was sort of a, because I got married. I actually got married in Scotland. You did? I got married in Scotland. Once again, seems about right. Yeah. And, uh, and just before the ceremony, at, at last minute on kind of a whim, I went and rented a, a full kilt and all that other stuff. Really? Yeah. Bagpipers? No bagpipers. Really? They said uh, I said I had enough pipe uh, in my sporn. <laughs> is that bag. not a, is that not a thing over there? Well, we got married at the registrar's office because originally the idea was we were working in New Hampshire, and I'm thinking, I you know, unlike every other TV guy in the world, I would hate to have to stand in front of a bunch of people and have everybody pay attention to me. I'm mean, like that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be. The focus of what's going on. Mel, so you're on television. I know. It's well. It, it, anybody who's seen me on television asks the same question I do on a regular basis. What the hell am I doing on television? But we thought we would get the governor of New Hampshire to marry us because I knew the governor. I covered the state house, and it'd be real simple and cheap, and it would be kind of cool. But then we thought everybody we know in New Hampshire, all seven people would be there, and our friends <laughs> and family wouldn't be. So then that would that would come back on us, and people would be pissed off. So then. I'd lived in Ireland for a while and have Irish citizenship, so I thought, well, we'll what? do it. What? Wait, what? Yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we got we got some stuff for future shows here, but I figured we'll do it in Ireland because I'm a citizen. And they Who said, Who else in the level say yeah? yeah! And they Run said, along the back to Dublin and find yourself a bottle to crawl into. Kind people there in Ireland. They said, uh, you, you can't be a citizen and not be a resident. So you have to be a citizen and a resident. So they told me to call England. So I called England, and they said, <laughs> no, you can't do it here, but you can try Scotland. And we had we tried. And along the way, I tried the Netherlands, because everything yeah, is legal there. Is legal. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can hire a hooker and then piss in the canal right after leaving the hooker's place while smoking some hash and yeah, drinking a Heineken. It's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's quite a place. Well, guess what you can't do there? Get married if you're get, not a citizen? Get married, right. Really? So I was like, wow, okay. Which I think is probably good because if you've been smoking hash and you just met a hooker and you're pissing in the canal. But they're missing out on that whole industry. You may end up proposing to the hooker and then yeah, and you're really not, stuck. Not the country's problem. So, no, but, you know, they're, they, they're, they think ahead there. You have to because, you know, you're, you're it's right, always though. flooding, right? A lot of people would fall in love with their hooker. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends, <laughs> you know. I, I was at the sex museum there, and they had one of those animatronic prostitutes, and her whole thing was, you know, I really like you, and I would like to do this for free, but I am a small business person, so I must charge. I said, oh, yeah, I'm man. sure that conversation happens a lot here on the leader flocking, blinking, plocking plots. What do you think of... The these. rub and tugging canal. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, there's that story about Southfield having the sex robot brothel. Oh, yes. Which I don't understand it. I would, it's easier to do that stuff at my house and cheaper. I mean, I'm sure you would really just, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, ne- not really handy with robotics, but. But no, but I don't understand why you would have to go to a sex doll 
shop or why anybody would want to. At the same token, I don't you, see the big problem. Have you ever problem. gone out on a Friday night in Southfield? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Unless there's a robot handy, there's not a lot of action. And to that point, because I'm always interested in your take on media and how they cover stories, the way they've covered the Robert Kraft story down in Florida. Right. Do you have any issue with the overall coverage of that? Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of it. Um, I've been working on a project that hopefully we'll be able to talk about soon on the show. But from what I understand, this was a sting of this establishment, and then they caught a bunch of guys, and it turns out a bunch of the guys who were going there were pretty big fish. So that becomes the story. This guy is Robert Kraft is two misdemeanors. Sure. But the overall big story is this massive bust that might involve human trafficking, but that's not what people want to consume. I don't know. If, I, I'm always intrigued by how people consume stuff because yeah. nobody wants to consume a human trafficking story. It's complex. Well, it's abstract. Sure. And we hear a lot about it. I mean, that's one of those topics that's oh. been very, very uh, much in the news. But I don't, you know, again, and I'm not terribly well versed in this, so I have to be careful. But I do like that the Johns are getting some attention because one of the things I always find is that they trot all the women out. Yeah. And they do time, and they take tickets, and they, you know, may get deported, or they may get whatever. And the guys who go there, they just kind of walk away, or they they pay a thousand bucks to get their car back, and there's no consequences. I mean, I, frankly, I think the way they do it in Canada and other places is probably the best way, where it's legal. Everybody's inspected in Canada, in the provinces where it is legal. There's unions that represent yeah. the sex workers. Now, I think you have to it's be taxed. Yeah, you have to be sort of a, a sad person with a, a unfortunate history to become a sex worker. But at the same time, people are going to do it anyways. Yeah. It's, it's the same reason to legalize the marijuana because people are going to do it anyway. So let's tax it. Let's make sure it's safe. Let's make it something that people who are responsible can get. And there'll still be the underground stuff. But at same least with gambling. Yeah. If well, anything's done in the dark, bring yeah. it out in the light. Clean it up as best you can and tax the living crap out of it. Well, what's a lottery? It's a legalized yeah. numbers racket, you know? So, I mean, it's going on. And it's still going on. I mean, Ed Martin was running the numbers in the plants, and there's just a book that just came out by a woman who said her a, a woman who said she had a, a very comfortable middle-class upbringing as a, as a black woman at a time when that wasn't very common because her mother ran the numbers at the plant, and that provided her the means to become eventually a college professor. Wow. So why should the state make all this money? I mean, I'm, you know, gambling is not one of my vices. I got I got a, a bag full already. But, you know, if you legalize this stuff and regulate it, at least you give people a chance. And more than anything, I think you protect the people who make a living doing it. Yeah, it'll know, never the happen. The little guys. It'll never happen. Uh, <laughs> this country is too, and maybe this isn't a bad thing, but it's very religious. It's, it pretends to have very high morals, and that's fine. Maybe that maybe that balances it out, but that's why it would never happen. We did kind of forget to ban slavery at the beginning. Yeah. You know, that was kind of an over... So, I mean, religion and hypocrisy sometimes are, uh, are uh, shall we say, um, Siamese twins. This is, but, yeah, uh, this is coming from two church-going people. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Father uh, Tim and... <laughs> Father... Uh, Father, brother, and mother and sister, and Holy Amen. Ghost. But yes, um, uh, we'll be looking for uh, we'll be looking for penance and dispensation soon. But uh, but you know, I, I I don't have a problem with uh, exposing the Johns. And in fact, there have been a couple of high profile prostitution rings that have been broken in Michigan since I moved back twenty years ago. And after they bust the pimps 
and they put all the women on trial and they either incarcerate them, make them flip or ship them out. The one question we always have is what's in the little black book. Mm-hmm. There's the Miami Companions thing um, about 10 years ago, and then there was one before that. The most famous one is Heidi Fleiss. Right. Now, that that was Hollywood, but, I mean, they happened here, and we know who some of the Johns were in Heidi Fleiss's book, but the, the people who happened here... Why you, don't we know who some of them were here? I think because Heidi, you know, I think she saw an opportunity to, to make a buck, and because guys like Charlie Sheen and... And our our homeboy uh, Tom uh, Tom what's his name Sizemore. Sizemore. But if yeah. but if there was a ring, I wonder if th- that name is true. <laughs> was it Heidi's girls who named him Sizemore? Unlikely. Yeah, he's had a rough go. At least it wasn't Fillmore. He's he's had a rough go. But was there a ring busted here with a black book that people know the names? Oh, yeah. yeah. Then why were, don't we know who they are? Well, that's. That's what it comes down to is judges will decide not to release the black book because they don't want to invade the privacy of the customers. And if you don't have the customers, you don't have the sex traffic. That's the whole thing. If there's no market, these women won't be subjugated like this because you say – Hey, honey, why don't you come over here? Make it, make your movie star, but first you got to work, you know, the brass pole mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and we'll get you hooked on drugs. And by the time you realize you're all dried up and wrung out, you'll forget about being a movie star. That doesn't happen unless there are guys sitting along the runway or sneaking in the back door or getting the massage. So I, I do think that that Kraft and all these other guys, if they're found guilty, they're getting their just desserts. Yeah, but once again, it's a misdemeanor. Well. You know what? There's, and he's loaded. There's a couple different things. We when we do stories, one of the questions we always ask up front is, is it illegal? Is what somebody's doing illegal? And bosses love it if you can catch somebody breaking the law. But I always counter, that's great, but my threshold is is somebody doing something that's wrong or that should be illegal. And so there's a price you pay. Robert Kraft is probably gonna pay a minimal fine. Mm-hmm. Keep his nose clean for the next year. Maybe that's the wrong term, but he's not going to get caught again for a year, and he'll come off his record. But he's paying a price in public humiliation. And I am a big believer that sometimes what hurts you more— I mean, Michael Cohn today testifying before Congress, who's going to prison, who's a certified convicted liar. He was caught. I'm very proud to say we caught him. He's saying one of the reasons why I'm testifying is to regain my good name to try and make amends and to try and recast no one buys who that. Michael Cohen is for America. No one buys that. I, you know what? It's his opportunity to sell it. It may be his motivation, but I think the other thing is, Michael Cohen, you can tell everybody everything you know as much as you want, and people are just going to still say, dude, you're a piece of crap. Yeah, well, he he is. He is. Well, he here he is today. Sometimes, sometimes pieces of crap can shine light on some things. The problem is, He's probably lying about some stuff. Uh, well, we know he is because he got busted, but it doesn't mean that the other stuff isn't true. Well, this is the way I look at it, and, and we've just been having these discussions uh, at the station with some stories we're working on. Sometimes people come to you with all kinds of motivations, and I'm not as interested in somebody's motivations as in the information they bring and whether they can prove what they have to say and whether it's true. And the saying I always use, and anybody who's talked to me about stories has heard it, so I apologize if both of you are listening. And hell, actually, we got two listeners. We're doing pretty good for them, <laughs> straight out the gate. But if you want to know what goes on in the whorehouse, don't ask the virgin. Unless, of course, she's the janitor. But, you, you know, who, who gets involved in dirty deals? If somebody is doing dirt, who do they turn to? 
somebody else was willing to do do dirt. So yeah. the fact that one of the Confederates, one of the guilty parties, one of the responsible people comes forward and says, this other guy's a rat bastard. Well, who the hell should know that? You, you are know? fake news. So I, I, I don't savor dealing with people like that. But at some point, you have got to have been down dirty in the mud to know what mud wrestling is like. Do you think Michael Cohen's testimony maybe validates some of the fake news? Or some of the leaks that were out there that, that people just automatically discredit because, oh, that's ridiculous. There's no way he would have done this. There's no way he would have done that. And then here he brings actual evidence and records. Do you think people will buy that or believe it? Or is it just because it's Michael Cohen, they'll just ignore it? That's a good question. I think there are people who are going to try and tamp it down because it's Michael Cohen. I mean, it's sort of the thing where you say, this guy is a scumbag, so don't listen to anything he has to say. But as I just said, sometimes it's a scumbag who knows what other scumbags are doing, which isn't to say the president of the United States is a scumbag. It may be true, but we'll, we'll see eventually. But, but what I find fascinating about this is, is Michael Cohen was not a truth teller for a long time. Michael Cohen would intimidate and threaten reporters yeah. to try and keep the truth from coming out. And now we may know why. I think we've always known why. He's greedy and ambitious and all that other stuff. But I find, and I didn't listen to all the testimony, but what I found fascinating was people were defending the president and criticizing Michael Cohen for being a liar. And whatever you think about the president, and and I'm not here to tell you how to think or how to vote or anything like that, it's not opinion. It's fact that one of the most prolific liars in America today is Donald J. Trump. And about stupid stuff most of the time. Uh, Yeah, and sometimes... The size of an inauguration crowd. Like, what does it matter? Well, that's the other thing is when you lie about everything, you know, it's it can be something facile or it can be something major. But when you're attacking this guy for being a liar and you're to defend a liar, that seems a little ironic to yeah. me. Uh-huh. And I also think it's a little outrageous that a lot of these Congress people are saying, so will you promise us right now that you won't do a book or a movie later on? Now, I don't want to read a Michael Cohen book and I sure as hell don't want to see a Michael Cohen movie. But, although I think maybe the dude from Friends could play, David Schwimmer, Schwimmer could, could play yeah. uh, Michael Cohen. Stiller's done an okay job on SNL. St- okay, sure. But Fon- I don't, th- I don't think his head blame, is long enough. Fonzie could play him. Henry Winkler could play him in his later years. Oh, I love the Fonz. But um, but I, I think it's outrageous to uh, to expect, when you're a capitalist country and Republicans are very capitalistic, to say, Promise us that you're never going to make any money in the future. That's nuts. I mean, well, who asked that question? Because multiple Congress who people. cares? Well, it has nothing to do with it. But it has everything to do with driving Motivation? the narrative that he's only here to make a buck, and this is venal. This is another opportunity. This is trying to grab the cash. Now, what I think that's Cohen, what's annoying about these public hearings, though, it's yeah, for show no, on all sides. Absolutely, you know what everybody's going to say before they take the mic by looking at the R or the D next to their name. Yeah. But but I will say this about Cohen and why he's not as smart as he probably thinks he is, which is how people get caught. They think they're smarter than they are. But he should have said, folks, I'm going to prison in New York. New York has a son of Sam law. I can't make any money off a book while I'm in prison. That's the law. While he's in prison, though. Mm. When he's out, he'll be fine. Yeah, but I mean, you know, once he's out, you know, these this the window is very limited for these things. Once he gets out of prison, there are going to be so many people writing insider accounts about Trump by the time Michael Cohen gets out of prison that it's going to be like, you know. (laughs) Do you you think Trump's going to write a book? Because all presidents write books, multiple books, multiple biographies. Is he going to write one? 
I think if he writes one, it'll be like a Larry King book. You know, like presidency, great time, White House, nice chairs. I, I would kind of want to read it, though. I think once he's out of office, it'd be kind of interesting to see how he spins it. Well, you could argue that he's writing a book right now. You just the collected tweets of Donald J. Trump, which reminds me of a yeah. great book, thekwamesutra.com, yeah. which is available at selected bookstores in the metro area. Highfalutin bookstores, in fact. I'd push the website, but the website's down right now. So, uh, Well, we might, we might link to it on the new website. Okay, someday. So, this is a work in progress. Yeah, save up your money, folks, to get the Kwame Sutra at some time. But I, I do think, I think Trump is one of these guys where his tweets are like Kwame Kilpatrick's texts, where what it is, it's a stream of consciousness, and his thoughts go from his brain to his fingers. Oh, and yeah. On the web. I'm and, just amazed that there's no filter. Well, well and no one's there to say. Meh. Well, there's a lot of people there to say, "Un, please stop it." But he but, doesn't care. But he doesn't care because he's the president. And 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 it's really going to be fascinating going forward for the next one, the uh, next well, president, be it be it in two years or six years, and how they utilize it. Absolutely. And one of these days, because he has shown it is a way to get the focus on whatever he wants the focus to be on. Oh, and say what you want about him, but he's very brilliant with it. It's very effective. It's a way to reinvigorate the base. Everybody keeps talking mm-hmm. about the first time I heard about the base was on the Drew and Mike show. <laughs> it's a different kind of you're base. You're supposed to shave from it. <laughs> it what? makes everything look bigger. Yeah, but this base may have a lot of piece, may have a lot of dickheads in it too. But <laughs> but I think and, and we should we should we should talk about this in a future show that the, the similarities between Trump and Kilpatrick are yeah. are staggering. And not just that he tweets in the same way that Kilpatrick would text. Of course, Kilpatrick never thought his text would get out. But but Trump has found a way to use this as just a little shot of adrenaline to all his people. And uh, I don't know what he's been tweeting today, but... when uh, was, when, was Twitter out when Kwame was mayor or no? I've been on Twitter since 2007. I know I you've had a was, battle about I was, passing him. Yeah, I was pretty, and yeah, and I'm getting close. Um, <laughs> I think I was a pretty early adopter. Yeah. But in, by 2007, he was in his last year in office. Did he so. tweet while he was in office? He didn't tweet very much. In fact, yeah. when I got him, like, this is going nowhere, but I should, I'll he, sign up for it. Well, that's what's funny looking back now. He could have utilized that the way Trump utilizes it now. Well, and you know what? Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at ML Soul of Detroit. We're on Facebook at ML Soul of Detroit. The website, can you guess what the name of that is? It's www.mlsoulofdetroit. You can also reach us by phone. We got a funky, groovy telephone number, 313 288 9070. We want your feedback, we want your suggestions. We just want to connect with you. And uh, we'd be grateful if somebody could give us a clever thing that 288-9070 stands for. You can't use zeros. Yeah, so so we really would be grateful because this is like rhyming with orange at this point. They're not even good uh, uniform numbers that I'm breaking out. Yeah, I don't know how we picked this. I guess you do uh, Jeter, Abdulkader, Abdulkader. LaDuff got all the good numbers. (laughs) I was living in the shadow of Charlie. Yeah? LaDuff. Yes, it's a big shadow. (sighs) So lonely. (laughs) So lonely. Before we get to the great debate, that's where we take on the top topics of the day. We bring in some of the sharpest minds we can find. 
Unfortunately, we don't look very hard, <laughs> so we, we take what we can get. I want to just look back at that Michigan-Michigan State game because there's a lot of smart sports writers out there, and they often disagree with me. If the game went another way, you would not be looking back at it. I would be, but I would be looking back in anger. So angry. So angry. So let's recap some of the picks from the greatest sports minds in Detroit. Mitch Album calls the game. You U of the M. greatest sports Nice. He's, he's, ah, sports mind in Detroit. He's got a good mind. The, the the seventh person you meet in in Paloma. I don't know what. It's, it's a new book he's working on. Uh, Mitch Albin calls a game. U of M 74, MSU 70. Could go either way. In first meeting, we'll favor the whole team. The home team. Wrong. Nick Baumgartner. I love how he hedges his bet there. Yeah. Well, that's kind of Mitch-like, right? <laughs> yeah, you think? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's like yeah, he did he did it. What was this? there was a big story? He just did that with the other day. I think it was the Jesse Smollett story. He hedged it both ways. Wow, that one seems pretty, uh, pretty obvious. Which way to go? Yeah, but, but. Uh, oh well. Uh, Nick Baumgartner, U of M, sixty six, MSU sixty three. Wrong. Orion Sang, U of M, sixty eight, MSU sixty seven. Wrong. Jeff Seidel, U of M, sixty, MSU fifty five. Wrong. Chris Solari, U of M 66, MSU 63. Wrong. Really, nobody had state? Well, you know what? You might be surprised about my man, Sean Windsor, uh, you know, a, a frequent guest on this show, if you can be a frequent guest, if you're a sure, guest yeah. on the first show. <laughs> but uh, he's a man of wisdom. He doesn't like to go down the middle. He likes to make bold predictions. He likes to get out there on the edge. U of M 64, MSU 57. Wrong. That's really funny. They're all in the same score frame, too. And he was the most wrong. But we're still going to give him a chance. We dial him up on the as-yet-unnamed, sponsorless ML Elric Soul of Detroit hotline. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. It's time for the great debate coming to us live on tape from Belleville High School, where he's taking the ACT for the 74th time. Sean Windsor, sports columnist extraordinaire at the Detroit Free Press. Sean, how are the cheerleaders? You know, that's uh, that's your game, though, man. I uh, I'm I'm too old for that business. Not that I'm going to pass the ACT. I mean, it's probably fruitless. You know what uh, ACT spells, right? Mike Elwick. Act. It spells act. Spell act. Isn't that the first question on the test? I think cat is the first. They kind of mess you up, you know, with the anagrams. Is that an anagram where they scramble the letters? I I don't know. I think it is. (laughs) See, I got got a guy who went to Michigan, a guy who lives in Ann Arbor. In the paper, it's called the Scramble. You guys should know that. It's in the back of the back of the sports section. I think that's the Detroit News. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the ba- the back of the Detroit News, Sean <laughs> Windsor, did I mention that? Is here with us on the on the unsponsored, unnamed hotline. Uh, we'll be taking your sponsorship bids. Uh, nothing under ten cents for that first bid. Sean, thank you for joining us. We uh, we're talking about a topic that you just wrote about this week. My man Zion Williamson. And whether or not uh, whether or not college athletes should be paid, whether or not college athletes should be able to leave, do the one and done thing, and um, tell us a little bit about what you were thinking on this one, so that we can uh, mercilessly wail on you. Well, first of all, I should tell you the reason I'm in Belmont High School. There's a high school basketball playoff game here, 
involving Lincoln and Iftalani. And Lincoln is a player named Hamani Banks, who's the number one ranked. Your cell phone blows. In the freshman class in the country. And uh, the, the Honorable Mick McCabe, you know Mick, he used to work at the Free Press a long time, prep writer. Son uh, of Swami. The son of Swami feels like he or argues that they're, not to argue, said flat out, he's the best freshman he's ever seen in his 40 years plus of covering prep high schools. And I, and the scuttle about with him already is that if he, if the NBA changes his rule, what's he thinking about uh, doing so he can go straight from high school to college? Bates will probably, somebody puts on a little bit of weight, a little bit of weight, probably be, uh, you know, make the jump straight to the pros. So explain this rule to me, because LeBron went straight to the pros. Lots of guys go straight to the pros. I shouldn't say lots of guys, but it's not unheard of for a kid to go from high school to the pros. In the old days. Yeah, in the old days. Yeah, in the, in the, yeah LeBron, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the exact year they changed the, the rule. It was a year or two after that, maybe. Um, I can't remember if it was as long as three years. but Yeah, because LeBron was so obviously not ready to play pro basketball. I mean, <laughs> no, he really no, no, wasted no, no. a lot of opportunities there. But anyway, they changed the rule, and, and you had to you have to be 19 or go to a year of, uh, you know, you have to go to a year of college. There have been a couple of high, highly regarded prospects that went to Europe mm-hmm. to, you know, to get to the age limit. But the NBA is thinking about discarding that. And obviously what happened last week in Duke when Zion Williamson blew his shoe out and slipped and fell to the ground and sprained his knee, fell to the court actually, and had to leave the game, I think, 30, 40 seconds into the game. It was a rivalry game against North Carolina. That kind of stirred it up a little bit, you know, because Zion is uh, Zion Williamson obviously is a, a young man that has the size and the, the skill to make that leap. Well, so I, I think, uh, I think that's, that's what got this going again. I thought the other thing that got it going was Roy Williams was spotted in the Duke locker room just before the game with a very what, small pair of scissors. What did he cry? Oh, man. Well, you know, I, I can't debate this notion of when high school kids are ready to go to college or go to the pros, they should go to the pros. But, but what, what pisses me off is when people say, while they're in college, we should pay them. That just seems we should. outrageous. They absolutely should. No They're way. free labor. They're free labor for a big business. This dude got free shoes. Free Zion Williams got all the free Nikes he yeah, can that's use. That's his value. Well, you know, those are expensive. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> you know, Zion Williams wearing a pair of Nikes that he got for free because Nike pays Duke and Shishovsky. You know, gets a lot of that money, and oh, Nike wow. gets a lot of that money. And here's a flying human billboard running up and down in Nike. And twitches on the jerseys and twitches on the shoes. That that seems real fair to me, Michael. At least they're not jump men. Well, there's a why, difference why do you here. Think, now. Why do you think they shouldn't get paid? Now, there's there's two issues here. We we got to keep these separate. I'm all for putting a salary cap on these coaches because I think the coaches have become so greedy that they'll do anything to keep those contracts, getting those high paying jobs. They write in their contracts that I have to be the highest paid coach. How can two guys have it in their contract? They have to be the highest paid coach. It's just never going to work out that way. But this is like saying we need to solve chicken pox by getting rid of all the chickens. The thing about the coaches getting too much money and getting contracts is completely different from paying players. Players are paid. They receive tutoring. They receive tuition they receive room and board they receive clothing they receive shoes they receive all these perks yeah that's that, why they're perks right but they're not a salary tuition and tuition and okay i'll tell you it took me till i was about 30 years old to make what it costs one kid to go to college mm-hmm. for a year now that's real money 
when you're getting free room and board and free tuition, that is compensation. You are being paid. But you're missing the value that they bring to the university. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, a lot well, of them are, are TAs, right? They're teaching classes in between practice. Well, here's the thing, uh, Mr. Elric. I don't necessarily think they should be paid, and it would be really tricky anyway with Title IX in terms of uh, the equity and the, the, the laws that kind of govern um, how scholarships are passed but, down. But how, isn't, Sean, isn't Title IX just about the access to play? It's not about whether or not they should be paid, and if they should be paid equally, they should have equal access. Well, it is, but the, the argument is that if, if, if you've got that law in the books then, and you start saying, okay, we're going to pay players, then you're going to have to think about paying everybody the same. I mean, that, that's, that's the worry. I, my argument is it's going to be more like the Olympic model, at least the current Olympic model. You know, you remember, I, I assume, Mike, you've been around forever, Olympians didn't used to be able to earn off their likeness. They yeah. couldn't brand themselves. They couldn't get sponsors. And get directly paid, and that changed. And, and to me, that's the that's the argument. So, in other words, to take your favorite school, this is a, this is a, I think a good example. Um, Matt McQuaid, who's a shooting guard, wing player for Michigan State, he's a good player, not a great player. If a car dealership in East Lansing or Lansing wants to, you know, pay him to come to the to the lot, or if some local company wants to to pay him to come sign autographs, anything at all like that. Even if it's just, you know, 15, you know, I don't know, $5,000, whatever. He should be able to earn that. That's not getting paid directly from the university. If Miles Bridges, who was a star and had brand name, wants to sign a contract with Nike as an 18-year-old, even while he's in Michigan State, he ought to be able to do it. I, I agree no. with that. My only problem with that well, is... totally disagree. My only problem with that model is it lets the university off the hook, so they get the benefit of this guy, yet they don't have to pay him when they operate... As a nonprofit, and they're building uh, waterfalls, and they're building these fantastic uh, buildings, and, and, and you know that have eight courts in them, and they just have everything they could want because they need to remain a nonprofit. The money is there, and if you don't have the money, then you don't get the best players. But the the problem with paying players, and 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 Sean, I I like that you're trying to find an alternate way to get money to these kids. I would be all for guaranteeing them a bachelor's degree if they live to be a hundred and they have to come back on their 99th birthday to get their last credit, I'm all for that. I'm all for providing them with insurance in case they're, they suffer a devastating injury that basically makes them unemployable for the rest of their life. I'm all for that. But when you start incentivizing individuals, you're destroying team sports. If I am Matt McQuaid and I see Cassius Winston getting all the car dealership gigs, and I start thinking, well, the only reason Cassius is scoring all those points is because I make all those blocks and I pass the ball and do all this other stuff, but I don't get myself any gigs. Maybe I need to start jacking up more threes so I become the country's top three-point shooter and I'm in demand. And, and I'll give you a real life. For or they my... just pay him for his value. Well, no, because he's already being handsomely compensated with the free food, the free tutoring, the free travel, the free gear. But he's the bringing more value. The free room and board. Everybody should contribute to the university. How, do, how, how does the NBA do it? They pay their players. Why is, that, why is the NBA any different from college? Uh, because there's more bling in the NBA. I mean, Sean, why is there any difference between how the NBA operates with their labor force as opposed to college basketball and their labor well, there, force? Well, there shouldn't be. And Mike's point about, I mean, they do get compensated. They just don't pay the salary. I mean, some of these schools, it's, you know, out of what's, four years at Michigan is, what, 100 room and board, living expenses, everything else. Well, and by the way, the, 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 the meals are free. 
that's the tuition. That's not the cost of no. Well, it's not just it's not just tuition. I mean, they get they get free board too, and they get free food. So I mean, tutoring. Well, yeah, whatever. and a stipend. That's, they get a stipend. No, yeah, no, no. You're talking about, about you're talking about you know a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars depending on the school, so they at least get compensated. But your idea that it's going to destroy team unity—that's how it works in every single pro league in the world. You have you have the best players that make more make more sponsorship money. They have more commercials. They, they have more companies that want to deal with them. That doesn't mean that the right, you know, but the that's role player. that's a job, and that's why I'm not against getting rid of one and done. If you want to go do that job, go do that job. If you want to be part of a university, the reason why I cheer for Michigan State, but I couldn't give a toss about the Lions, is I have a connection to Michigan State. It's part of me. The Lions, if it's part of me, it's a part of me in the same way that like testicular cancer would be a part of me. I coached kids in hockey when they were 10 years old, and one kid came to a game and said, my dad said he'd give me 10 bucks if I score a goal. And I said, how much did he say he'd give you for an assist? He said, my dad doesn't know what an assist is. I knew that kid was ruined for me for the rest of the season because every time he touched the puck, all he was thinking is I'm going end to end and I'm going to get a goal. I don't care whether we win. I don't care whether I'm a good teammate. I don't care whether I pass it. I don't care whether I learn the game. I put the biscuit in the basket and I get a saw buck. That destroys team sports and at least at the collegiate level i want to think people are there at some point because they're wearing that green that white whatever color it is because it matters them because it means something to them if you're just a money grubbing sack of crap then go straight to the pros but let me tell you something over 100 kids on that football team are taking a lot of money out of that university and they're never going to go to the pros and if they do make it in the pros, it's only because while they were in college, they got the kind of coaching and instruction that made them marketable and successful in their chosen profession. You're there because they're really, really good. Why aren't you at uh, <laughs> tennis matches at Michigan State, right? Hey, Why aren't you know you at what, their dude? Swimming matches? Why aren't I, you at their diving matches? Come I didn't on, give up man. my tickets when they were three and nine. I'm not giving up my tickets when they have a bad year. I'm there in those games in the rain because this those are my guys, because that's my school. A- Revenue generating enterprise. It is not. I mean, they're technically called thought of as amateurs, but this is a revenue generating enterprise of basketball and football. It's, it's a sham. Yeah, but so it's, is it's, so, it's, so, so is the superconducting cyclotron, and they don't say, "Well, you know what? Uh, you smashed a couple extra atoms. Uh, you made a couple hundred million dollars for the university in research grants. Guess what, Professor? What's nuts? You go out there and you open a hairdresser." You know, sign well, do they, they get, do they get paid? Those students are mostly grad. They pay their salary. Sometimes they get uh, what's that? I said the, the people, the graduate assistants, and the professors, they get paid a salary. If you're an athlete, your salary is your tuition and your. No, board. that's not a salary. They, it's not. You're right. They do get paid a salary, and they and they should get paid a salary. The students get compensated for tuition. That's not the same. And if they bring in the best among them, bring in a whole lot more interest. That's why you go. You don't go because it's green and white. You go because they're competitive. Explain to me the the walk-ons. Talk to me about who's my man who who blew out his leg at Michigan State, the walk-on, Willikies. He came there as a walk-on. The only reason this guy's going to make it in the NFL, if he does make it, is because he came to Michigan State because he wanted to be there, and they coached him up. No, that's ridiculous. The reason he's going to make it is because he's 6'4 and 265 pounds, and he's quick, and he can run, and he's got a lot of raw natural talent. That's then why didn't he get a scholarship? If he was such a sweet-ass talent, he would have got a scholarship, right? Because he's a late bloomer, right? Oh, so and I guess course, college benefited him, didn't it? Well, of course he's going to get late better. Late bloomer! 
but not, <laughs> not, who's it benefit more? When you talk you about know? players getting paid, you're not. Mean, it doesn't mean that every single player should be paid. Some people. But that's the, the problem. Some people, their value is the scholarship. That's the value they provide. Right. But that it's up to the universities to figure let's, out. Let's, yeah, let's get back to the Zion game for a second. Barack Obama. Okay, so you guys are wrong. Let's get back right? to Zion. <laughs> Spike, Spike, no, no, no. Spike Lee was there. You just yeah, got to admit you're wrong. We get back to Zion. There were students there. There were Sean's wrong, Zion. They were selling courtside tickets to a couple of grand feet. CB, or ESPN had marketed that game for weeks. It was probably the highest rated game. Ever. Everybody's making money. It was. You're going to call it. You're going to tell me that was an amateur experience. No, but what I'm saying is pride. No, I I agree. It's a business enterprise. I agree that college is a big business, but you need to reform that business. Restrict coaches' salaries. And what's wrong? With this being a mutually beneficial transaction, the university provides you some tremendous resources, and in return, you provide them your talent, and both sides benefit. And if you're really talented, and talented enough to call the interest of uh, commercializing yourself, and that's a crass way to put it, but it's kind of branding yourself, however you want to put it, right? If you want a euphemism, and you love euphemisms, I think. <laughs> no, you do. And you right. Yeah, but okay, so let me last last point for Why me. Why not let them earn? That's ridiculous. This this is my last point because I've already proven myself right many times in this conversation. But so what how do you justify the blocking fullback? Why should that guy get the dog shit beat out of him, take all those hits when no one's gonna buy his jersey? Nobody's gonna invite him have to, to sign. He gets paid autograph. for his value. So clearly his value he's paid, he's compensated, right? That's scholarship. Yeah, okay. That's his compensation. Unless another school wants to pay him more. Yeah, well, what if he starts saying, you know what? The guy who catches all these balls, he's getting all these gigs. He's getting all this money. They're selling all his jerseys. He's getting all these signed and autographed Catch gigs. more balls. I, exactly. Wait, so now you got your fullback who's not a fullback. He thinks he's Braylon friggin' Edwards. No, then he, he then doesn't. He, this is how life people understand this. That's like saying you're going to pay the pimps the same as Gladys Knight. And you're saying it's not fair because <laughs> exactly. they can't sing and hold a tune like she could and make you weep a little bit when she reaches certain notes. Come on, man. This is how it works. Sean, maybe. I get it. Maybe I just have so much soul that I appreciate everybody the same. Every pip to me is just as precious as dear Gladys. Okay. Okay. I expect you to see the fair state game then. Or Saginaw State or whatever. I mean, come on, man. Hey, you know or, how you know North how many North high school North sports North. I've gone to? Yeah, where your kids are there. Right, exactly. Where I have a connection, where I feel some passion for it. But you're I, not supporting it. You're not supporting the community when your kids aren't there. How many high school games where are you when your kids aren't there? I do, suppo- point. I do support the... Hey, what are you talking Better about? Better yet, how much revenue do those games bring in? How much? Yeah. Uh, they, well, they got an Imani base that was I, standing room only tonight. The place they were turning people away. I kicked, they wanted to I, see him. I kick some money into the 50-50, but I, listen, I don't support teams that I don't have a connection to, and I don't, I'm not going to support some team just because it's local. The Lions, I wouldn't, I wouldn't piss on them if they were burning. But so, so you're somebody that wouldn't pay for a millage after your kids out of high school, right? Because you don't think about the larger community. No, no, because I realize that the community benefits when the schools put out good kids and they educate people. We're way off topic here. So we're going to wrap up the great debate. Sean, you can't hear him because we have a bad connection. He just said, ML, you're right. <laughs> Appreciate that, Sean. We'll talk to Sean again in the future. Have a safe trip back from Belleville. Uh, Mark uh, seemed to be disagreeing with me, but you can't see him right now. He's nodding and he's giving uh, me the thumbs up because in his heart of hearts, he knows I'm You're right. wrong. 
That's the next debate. What time we're doing it? Yeah, you you'll be well compensated next time for your talents. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Yeah, Fullback. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right, gentlemen. Good to be with you. Thanks, next Sean. This is Zion, and we are not afraid. Welcome to Room 7609, where we take a look back at some underappreciated new wave gems. This week's installment is brought to you by Aquanet, perhaps the essential accessory of the new wave, new romantic, and goth set. And mascara, it's strong enough for Robert Smith, but it's made for a woman. And before we get into this week's selection on Room 7609, I'd like to take a moment of silence for Mark Hollis, the lead singer of Talk Talk, Gone too soon at 64. What did he pass of? Do we know? A short, sudden illness. Huh. Which <laughs> leaves up a lot to the imagination. But, you know, what I, what I loved about Talk Talk, other than the fact that they had a song called Talk Talk, and the band was Talk Talk, and it may have even been on an album called Talk Talk, <laughs> but they had that great video for Talk Talk, Talk Talk, with the, uh, the first time I ever saw those electronic drums. Oh, yeah. They, the they like the little... Black circles. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like uh, octagonal or hexagonal, and you're like, what's he doing over there? What's going on? But they have real symbols, so why wouldn't you have, like, Fake symbols. symbols? Yeah. My and daughter's they... got a drum like that, and she's five. Really? Yeah, a little... <laughs> I mean, it's just a little toy drum. Well, hopefully she like never that. does talk back. She just... Oh, talks. yeah, right. No, she does. Damn, sassy brat. But uh, um, but and I love the. uh, They also had one of those classic new wave bass players where he had the bass cranked up to like his throat, and his elbow was up around his ear to hit the low notes. And uh, I don't know who plays bass like that except for new wave bands, where it looks like the guy may actually have left a hanger in the back of his suit. suit. You know, he can't quite <laughs> get his arms down. But uh, but anyways, Mark Hollis, uh, not of the Spartans, who also had a untimely mm-hmm. demise, at least professionally. Uh, Mark Hollis of Talk Talk, gone too soon. And that brings us to this whole purpose of why we talk about these tongs. Spandau Ballet, for many years believed to be kind of a frilly, sissy band. Well, that's only because you found out about them after they cut this track which is called To Cut a Long Shoy Story. Story, 
Spandau Ballet with To Cut a Long Story Short. Very different from True. Yes, yes. This is not quite so... uh, There's one hole I have in pop culture. It's New Wave, so I'm learning a lot. I I dug that. We're applying for a grant from the uh, humanities, whatever that that federal thing is with all the money. (laughs) Anyways, that's Room 7609. We are looking for your suggestions for future episodes of Room 7609. We're also looking for your nominations for Geek of the Week. If you have a topic you want us to tackle on the great debate, give us that topic. If we are able to find a sponsor, we might even get Sean Windsor a better cell phone (laughs) or at least put some sort of transponder at Belleville High School. But uh, we appreciate you listening to this episode of ML Elric, Soul of Detroit. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ML Soul of Detroit. Our website's ML Soul of Detroit. Give us a call. Give us some feedback at 313-288-9070. We want to hear from you. We want you to feel like this is your show, too. And if you want to sponsor this show, we really want to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to give you the show, but we'll take your <laughs> dough if you know what I'm saying. So yeah, you'll uh, probably win every great debate too. Y- y- you know what? If you want to get an oar in that uh, <laughs> in that body of water, we'll we'll take your dough and we'll we'll let you row. You know. Amen. So thanks for sticking with us, folks. Uh, Mark Fellhauer, thank you for yeah. for bringing this. Uh, Bringing this beast to ground. Sean Windsor, always great to connect with my man, Sean Windsor. And we thank you, of course. You're the most important part of the show, the listener. Thank you. You are listening to the ML Elric Soul of Detroit on the Red Shovel Network. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Be sure and be with us next week when ML Elric says... This time it was a wrestler on the skids. A quick change artist in an alley, and a girl with an eye for angles. All met destruction because a hundred thousand easy bucks caught him in a stranglehold, which none of them wanted to break. (laughs) 